KFI AM 640 handle here. Uh, top trending news stories. Uh, Giuliani and Trump. Oh, uh, yeah. Giuliani admits, well, maybe Donald Trump did pay for the Stormy Daniels NDA. Uh, first romaine lettuce death. The E. coli. And uh, we've been covering a lot of big news, but nothing, nothing we have covered in the past year is as big as the news that Wayne Resnick is going to give you right now. Well, we're having a special event later this year. Uh, for some people who are going to make nice donations to the Red Cross. If you donate now to help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared California, you and a guest will mix and mingle with the KFI crew. It's an exclusive evening at the OUE Sky Space in Los Angeles, right up there on top of the U.S. Bank Tower, a 1,000 feet above the city. Cocktails, appetizers, meet everybody, live Q&A session with the host's photo opportunities. You have to be 21 years or older to attend. There's limited tickets for this thing. You've got to get them before they're gone. For the details, log on to KFIAM640.com. Look up the keyword mixer. All right. All right, we're back. And now, possibly one of the best segues in the history of segues, talking about sky, uh, sky space. Uh, let's go to Rod Pyle of PyleBooks.com. Good morning, Rod. Good morning. How are you? I, I missed that whole that whole segue. I was just, I just, oh, you, there was the, uh, the announcement that uh, Wayne just did about our uh, event coming up in October. All right. Ah, okay. Now, don't that's, worry about it. Uh, that was perfect. Yeah, as long, I don't care if you listen to it or not, as long as our listeners listen to it. All right. We've got a lot to cover. And uh, we've got on Saturday uh, a new Mars probe. And tell us what's going to happen, when, and what it's going to do. So Saturday morning at 4 a.m., if the weather holds, it's not looking real good right now, uh, the Mars InSight mission will launch out of Vandenberg, just up the coast from us, on an Atlas rocket, and it'll land on Mars, we hope, on November 26th of this year. And uh, this is a, a kind of, this mission hasn't gotten a lot of coverage because it's a geophysics mission, so it's not about pictures particularly, it's not about uh, life hunting or anything exciting or sexy like that. This is a static lander that'll set down a little north of the equator, not too far from where Curiosity landed. And it's going to set a seismometer on the surface, which will look for measuring Mars quakes. And then it's going to do a very interesting thing. It's going to set out what kind of looks like a big long tentacle that's going to burrow 16 feet down into the Martian surface. And that's the first time we'll have gone deeper than just a couple inches with a scoop. And it's going to look for heat flow which tells us a lot about the geophysics and the internal makeup of the planet. So between being able to measure how heat flu moves out of the surface and the seismology of the planet, you get a much better idea of how it's set up, what the core is like, what, what the composition of the interior of the planet might be and so forth. What makes this kind of a weird one is they, they look for a really boring landing site because normally you want to find cool rocks and interesting features to go explore. This one was we just want somewhere nice, flat, safe, plain, boring because all we're going to do is dig. So that's what this one's all about. All right, so uh, you've got a 16-foot deep, uh, well, uh, you basically have a 16-foot proctoscope. And yeah. it's uh, okay. Self-hammering proctoscope. It's got a little weight in it that hammers it where it's got to go. 
So how about that? Well, but if they don't know what's under that particular piece of land, what if it's a, a rock? Uh, does it ha- does it have the power to go through that, or are they just out of luck on this one? I think they're out of luck on that one. You just got to take your best shot. There is one other very cool part of it, which is they're taking up a couple of CubeSats. They're going to deploy from the uh, spacecraft right before it goes into its landing. And remember, these things don't go into orbit. They just hurtle straight into the atmosphere like a like a rifle bullet fired from Earth. Uh, these two little CubeSats are going to monitor and relay all the data from it as it's landing, which will be the first time we've done it that way. And it's also the first time they've ever sent CubeSats beyond Earth orbit. And these things are about the size of a cigar box. So they're kind of experimental, but very cool. And they'll be fascinating to see what happens. All right. So the signal goes to them and then it's forwarded to Earth. Do I have that right? Yes, sir. Uh, Size of a cigar box? Yeah. God, that's kind of neat. Boy, they're getting smaller and smaller. Well, yeah, and some of the ones that, you know, these are being built, not these two, but but CubeSats in general being built and launched out of universities. And some of them just use processors out of cell phones because they're good enough. And some use the cameras out of cell phones because they're good enough. So it's really a cool way to bring down the cost of doing all this stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming uh, that they're so small, uh, if you have a payload, you just throw a couple of these on there and no one pays attention. Yeah, and they've got a standard interface. This company called NanoRacks builds a standard interface uh, rack that goes into the the nose cone of the rocket. So you can have five, six, eight of these things go springing out. I think the record was 108 of them went up on an Indian rocket at one point. They just kind of shoot in all directions and go out and do their thing. Some of them are maneuverable. They've got solar panels, so they just keep doing their deal. Yeah, it is cool. Okay, You could make one. Uh, Yeah, I'm not interested. Uh, Okay. Now, uh, Bezos, that's actually is kind of cool. All right, uh, Bezos' tourist rocket. Uh, It's actually moving closer, but it's still not going to beat uh, the Virgin rocket, is it? Well, in a way, no, but but it's cooler, I I think. Um, So Virgin is a rocket plane that drops from a carrier aircraft that takes you up to, I think, 60,000 feet, and then rockets up at a suborbital trajectory, and you... You release your seatbelt and bounce around inside the cabin and, and look out a bunch of little windows, and you have your suborbital flight for 8, 10, or 12 minutes. Bezos is doing it on a small rocket, which he just launched for the eighth time, and it's the seventh reuse. They had one accident. And uh, went up to 66 miles, which is about four miles beyond the space boundary, as we officially consider it. And um, was successful. So if you paid for that, and nobody knows the price yet, we're guessing somewhere between fifty dollars and $200,000. But uh, if you paid for that ride, you'd had 10 minutes of straight up and straight down in this big ballistic arc. But there's six people in this capsule, and you've got a window that's about two and a half by four feet in front of you. So you've got this incredible view and weightlessness. And uh, so, you know, this, this is a company, this is Blue Origin, Bezos's company. It's been operating kind of in stealth mode since 2000. He does put out news releases, but obviously he's been a lot quieter about what he's doing in SpaceX. And he hasn't engaged the industry in the same way SpaceX is. So we're waiting with a lot of anticipation because, you know, this thing's flown over and over and over again. Clearly it works to go up. Clearly it works to land. The capsules come down. It's safe. The mannequin wasn't damaged. So let's go already. All right. So th- is this uh, is is this company that Bezos has? Uh, is it limited to uh, tourism? Uh, uh, unlike, for example, uh, you've got uh, Elon Musk's company SpaceX, right. which is all commercial. Uh, no, it, it he started with tourism, but really this was just a way. He's he also like like Elon is very interested in the incremental approach. So he is building and testing successfully. 
uh, half million pound thrust rocket engines, which is the biggest thing that's been built in this country since the shuttle. And he's not only going to use those on his next big rocket, which is about the size of, of Musk's Falcon Heavy, and that's called the New Glenn, but he's also selling them to United Launch Alliance for their new rocket so that they can compete with him and Musk. So it's a really interesting step in new yeah. space kind of thing we haven't seen before. All right, uh, let's take a break. Uh, also, when you, we come back, I want to point out where you're going to be speaking. We'll do that and then uh, finish up uh, as cool space news with Rod Pyle. KFI, yeah. By the way, you don't interrupt me when I say that, okay? Uh, of you, course. You can say very good after I finish. Very good. All right, excellent. Well done. All right, uh, Amy. KFI handle here. It is a uh, Thursday. Uh, Rod Pyle, Cool Space News. Uh, Rod, well, first of all, let me announce where you're going to be. Uh, May 24 to 27, uh, you'll be speaking at the International Space Development Conference at the LAX Gateway Sheraton. Jeff Bezos, who we've just been talking about, will be appearing. That's uh, don't, That doesn't happen too often. No. Uh, Freeman Dyson will be uh, showing and selling off uh, his vacuum cleaners. Frank... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you got me there. Yeah, it's like going to the county yes. fair, you know? He's, yes, one, he's yes. one of those booths. Uh, Frank Drake of Drake Equation. I have no idea what Drake Equation does, but uh, a lot of uh, space uh, big shots. When are you speaking exactly? Uh, Friday morning and Saturday and Sunday afternoons, I think. That's cool. So I, I, I'll be looking for you in the audience. Yeah, you know well, that. you know what? It's Saturday what? I'll, I'll contact you because yeah, Saturday afternoon I can surely make it. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'd love to do that. Uh, oh, and also information. I'm not going to read out the website because this is ridiculous. Just go to uh, kfiam640.com. Keyword handle. Keyword handle, and Keyword you'll handle. See, and you'll see the website. Yeah, because it's if I were, oh, it's ridiculous. It's insane. Okay, now uh, let's talk. Uh, and I love the way you put this. Size matters. Sound like my wife. Especially How was that, huh? Uh, especially that was very good. Especially in space telescopes. So uh, we're going beyond the web telescope at this point, right? They're already planning for the next generation. Yeah, and the next generation is going to have to be different because the web. So the Hubble was about three feet in diameter, which was great, and it, it did more for NASA PR than anything since Apollo. Here comes the web. It's eight feet, but it's almost ten billion dollars, and that's about as big as you can go on something that unfolds in one piece, into one lock structure, right? So the future appears to be lots of these things in modules. Um, so they're looking at, uh, there's this group out of Cornell, which is looking at the idea of launching stacks of three-foot mirror modules, which would deploy in orbit through multiple launches. They would then unfold a solar sail, be propelled out to a point beyond the moon called L2 or Lagrange 2, which is a stable orbital point out there in the dark, and then they would swarm together and assemble themselves autonomously. And it's not clear in the study I read whether this would be a mechanical link-up of some kind or just a magnetic lock-up of some kind. But one way or the other, they swarm into a mirror formation. And then from that configuration, they're able to focus and move this thing around. 
to be able to, for instance, image exoplanets. So we're talking mirrors now 50 to 100 feet in diameter. So this is an exponential increase of what you could do. It's right. incredible. Uh, all right, two things. Uh, I, w as you describe this, I think in terms of uh, computer power, computing power, where we used to think that there was just these massive, like, Cray computers, and then it turns out that you can just use off-the-shelf, just regular processors, but a zillion of them uh, that... Produce, I mean, buildings full of them that has this unbelievable computing power. Are we talking about something along those lines? Well, not quite. And here's the catch. You know, if you're going to take a chip and put it up there and expect it to work very long, it's got to be radiation hardened. So, for instance, for the chips they send up for deep space probes, the, the computer processors, or for the Mars probes, they're still using stuff that's baselined about 2000, like power PC chips from back in in the 2000 days. So there's just some new computers coming online now that'll be radiation hardened and affordable that'll begin expanding that. So I'd say in the next five years, you will start saying what you're talking about, which is uh, things that can assemble as a, as a cluster and do really incredible work. And they're called chiplets and they're tiny and they're configurable and they're really neat and they're radiation proof. Yeah. When, when you talk about uh, a hardened equipment, uh, is that just a lot of aluminum foil around it? It's a bunch of different stuff in the design. Some of it is armoring. Some of it is the way it's designed and, and checked out. There's two problems. You know, radiation can actually pit the little aluminum traces on the on the circuitry and cause it to malfunction. But it can also flip a bit from one to zero, so your programming can shift. And this is what we saw on some of the Mars rovers when they have to switch from the A side to the B side on the computer because the thing basically gets reprogrammed by cosmic rays. And you start having to shut down one side so you can send up new software from Earth to make sure that it's going to do what you want it to do. So it's tricky stuff. And really what they're using is, is stuff that was developed for the by the military uh, against a nuclear attack. And those are the kind All of right. chips they're using. All right. Uh, we have, uh, we're going to be out of here in a couple of minutes. Uh, but let's go back to uh, the uh, Hubble and uh, the web. The web yeah. is going to be up in a couple of years, right? Well, that's what they tell us. Uh, it's a little behind schedule because the there's a mirror, and then there's a secondary mirror, and then be, below that there's a bunch of shielding, and it's flexible, and it has to unfold. It looks right. like big sheets of mylar to protect it from heat, and they're having some problems getting that to unfold properly, and you can't yeah. visit this one once it's up there, so it's a little late, but a couple of years, yeah. Now, is, uh, is the Hubble going to retire at the same time that this goes up? Not quite. It goes on for a little longer. As long as it's got maneuvering fuel, the okay. Hubble's okay. But unfortunately, we can't go back to it. So, yeah, once it's done, it's done. All right. Thanks, Rod. Uh, com. Rod Pyle. And I think I'm going to go see him at the uh, the event where he's speaking. Some Bezos is going to be there.